News, commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And sometimes feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is... Still still love love you, bro. Look at that. Jess is back and we nailed the intro. We did. We actually had a... (laughs) <laughs> intro that I know how to do this time. <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah. I, I was well, just mixing it up. I know, I, I know. It's just it's different oh, it for was, me. It was mixed up. All right, I bet it was. How was the show last like two weeks, guys? I'm I, not I was here. hoping you would listen to it. Oh yeah, that's, that's a good point. We well, it's, have, it, well, it's like it feels like like you know you don't you don't do your own product, so you know right. Oh I wanna, you, yeah. Don't don't. What is that? Some don't get high off your own supply. There you go. That's it. Yeah. You've been busy. Yeah. Lately. Really. Yeah. So this is like the first time in my life. And I know Chris is really like used to this by now. So he's well adjusted. But this is the first job I've had. The new job that I've got. That I am. My job consumes all of my effort. Yeah. Like all of my will to do anything. And so when I get home, I'm like. I just want to sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and watch Netflix, and specifically Star Trek. <laughs> Welcome to adulting. <laughs> so, and yeah, that's literally been it. I have a few hobbies now, but I barely get to do them. Like, like I literally, the other day I came home and I was like, well, maybe I'll play with a ham radio, or maybe I'll do a flight sim thing, and I'm just like, no, no. you enjoy sitting on the couch. I'm going to sit like, here. Yeah. And let's let my cat eat my hand. Well, look, I don't want to scare you, but imagine doing this for the rest of your life until you're in your 45s, 46, 40, maybe even up to 52. Hopefully you can retire at 62, but, you know, do that every day and you'll see about 30. I think we'll, I give you till about 30, 33. We'll start seeing some gray come in there. We'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I started catching it. Right after we decided to have a child, uh, I think that's going to stress me out enough with everything else going on. We have not decided to have a child. So I was right about to say, after, I looked at Chloe. I, I know, like, but uh, Grant looked right at me. So we are, right we, have, after. we are not having a child right now. I just want to clarify yeah. to our listeners. So the cat after. is enough. I think yes, it is. Or, but it's very much enough. I'm not, I hope we didn't make a mistake. We just swapped her litter box out for one of those enclosed ones. And I hope we get home and she has used the litter box or has not used the litter box, but has not done anything else. So I guess we'll see how that goes. So far, she's been all right, but, you know. Good. Work and cat. Work and cat. That's that's the life. That's the life. Or cat child. What so, about you? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, no. Um, it's been really busy. We uh, Today, um, we got a little bit of ice on half of the county. And yep. so me and my kid was out, even though the roads are fine. So that's what I I'm shoved saying. him at grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Off to Grandma's house we go. There you go. So we're going to jump right in. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, You know, you were gone and you missed some pretty big stories. We're not going to have time to bring them up, but there is one pressing thing that I really want to bring up. Uh, and we had a guest set up to to come in and talk to this uh, talk to us about this, but he's um, he had to take a a few days off um, and handle some things. So we're going to lay the the framework and uh, and hope we can get him back in the next week or so. Um, if you saw the news, you saw that there was an incident on I-65 uh, in Davidson I County, in Nashville. Um, this has been uh, weighing on my mind a lot, and uh, for many reasons. Um, what's interesting is a an, one of the officers was from another city and was off duty and and driving through 
um, and stopped to help and ended up, I guess, being a primary um, responder. He spent a lot of time talking to the guy. So if you're not familiar with this incident, if you live in this area and listen to our podcast, I'm sure you've heard of it. But now that, you know, we have national news reach, maybe everybody else has, but in Nashville on, on I-65, a state trooper saw a gentleman sitting on the side of the road. Uh, he stopped to offer him assistance or a ride and um, turned into a 30 minute negotiation. And at the end, the, um, you know, the gentleman was, uh, was shot. Um, they, I uh, thought that he pulled a weapon on them and, um, and they shot him and, uh, and he is, um, he lost his life. Um, a lot of stuff has come out since then. Um, the, the Metro police department, which I want to commend, uh, released a video, uh, not in its entirety. They didn't put the whole 30 minutes of negotiation, but they, they put enough of the negotiation that you could understand, uh, the effort that the officer was putting in to have this guy uh, drop his box cutter. But, they also left in the part of the entire shooting. And at first I'm like, well, why are we going to show that? But, you know, if you're going to be transparent, then you have to be responsible if you don't want to see that to turn it off because there are people that really want to know um, how it happened. And of course, you know, the court of Facebook is in session and everybody's had their own opinions on, you know, on what happened. Um, and that's what we're going to discuss. Um, but I want to do it like this. We're not gonna we're not gonna make comments on whether we think the Nashville Metro Police Department and Mount Juliet Police Department uh, did right or wrong because we don't know their policies. We don't know that. But I guess we can we can talk about what would we do? How would we how would we perceive that? Because when you look at it from a third party, and if you're on Facebook and you're 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 in court and you're sentencing these people, you only really know how you would do it. People on Facebook are, you know, first saying, well, Metro Police did did good. Some people say not. And they can only really speak to it about their own opinion. So I don't want to have this discussion saying whether or not the officers did um, did the right thing or not. But really, how how would we feel that that it, it could be done differently? And the one thing that, that a, lot, a lot of people are saying is, well, why didn't they tase the guy? I, you know, I, don't, I haven't had taser training enough to know why they didn't. Um, but the facts are this, the, the officer gave a 30 minute discussion to, to this gentleman, uh, and begged him to put down the box cutter. Um, and at, at the end of the day, the, uh, at the end of the 30 minutes, um, the guy reached in his pocket and pulled out an object and took a shooting stance. And so, you know, they shot him. So, and I, I will add this, his hand was in the pocket the whole the time. entire time. Yes. His, his right hand was in his pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. The first thing I noticed when I watched the video before I process everything is when they all started shooting, and there was like nine, I think, officers there. They mm-hmm. all shot. One officer is yelling, cease fire, and then there's like bang, bang. Yep. Yeah, I heard that part. So they have decommissioned that officer that took those final two shots. That makes sense because the first thing I thought when I watched that video is, well, who, who just, you know— Clearly, there were 50 rounds shot, right? Before that, who's the last guy who thought his two rounds were going to make a difference? They have released that officer um, for, for you know, shooting two shots after the ceasefire. But what I don't understand and what I think, my own personal feelings, I think what I think would have escalated this was the fact that so many people showed up. Yeah. And so we had external guy, video and, yeah. Yeah, you're, you know, the guy was in mental distress and all of a sudden now there's nine officers with guns. That, I think, elevated the the situation. But I don't know if there was discussion beforehand of if something goes awry, 
Who's going to shoot him? Well, somebody I've, should make a decision. Otherwise, you've got nine guys shooting one guy. Here's here's the thing. I've thought about this a little bit, and especially when it first happened. And I was thinking, I watched the video, and I'm, uh, I saw one of the pedestrian videos first, and it looked horrible. It looked like you know, because all you hear, and if you watch the video, and I highly recommend you do that, you hear. It sounds like a Civil War reenactment of bullets. It is just like, it sounds like hundreds of bullets. It's deafening. And it's crazy how many bullets. And then, of course, yeah, the thing that stands out is after the ceasefire, you hear just two more shots. And I believe it was a rifle. Yeah. Two more rifle shots. Um, so it is, it's it's really hard from a bystander point of view to say, what the, why would they just do that? Why would all of them shoot? So I've thought about that. And the, the exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Explanation. Thank you. Explanation I have kind of settled on is, you know, if there's any miscommunication, if they had, if they had to set up a, all right, someone, this person is going to be a shooter. You're going to be the shooter. You're going to have multiple people to be the shooter, right? Multiple angles. Because if you're one guy and something in the background moves. So if you set that up, what if there's a miscommunication? What if somehow no one decides to shoot? And then in that small period of time where he pulls out and let, let's say it was a real gun because that's what it looked like to the officers because it was a shiny metal object that he, he just took pulled out. And t- yeah, he literally took a two, a delta stance, right? And where it's your two it feet a, planted on the ground. Isosceles is yeah. what it's called. Yeah. And it, and you're pointing your hands out both hands, right? And that's what it looked like. It looked like it was about to take a shot on one of the officers. So let's say... You know, the officer that's getting aimed at, right? What if he's not a shooter? What if he's not sure his buddies are going to shoot because he don't know if they're shooters? You know, what What if one of them isn't paying attention or t- turns away who is the shooter and misses it, and now all of a sudden you got an officer shot? And that's the reason I think that they are not, they're not going to make that, let me, let me restate. They're not going to add another level of complexity to an already immensely complex situation. If the threat is there to another officer or a pedestrian or anybody else, which all of that was there because he was aiming at traffic, you know, if he would have shot past an officer, it could have hit somebody in a vehicle. The goal is to stop the threat, to prevent him from harming anybody else, regardless of his mental state, regardless of why he has that gun and he's aiming at someone. That is the goal to stop the threat. So everybody shoots because you don't want no one to shoot. But you have to remember, I mean, you know, people say, well, why so many officers? But they had that many officers because he's in an open environment and you've got pedestrians almost in every direction that this dude with a box cutter could run at. And the problem is if he runs towards them, you're losing control of the situation because now all of a sudden, what if you're on the left side of this guy on the interstate? He starts running to your right as fast as he can. Well, now if you have to take a shot to prevent him from carjacking somebody, from stabbing somebody, from doing something else that is going to be harmful to the public or to somebody else, you're going to shoot into the cars now. So you have to have everybody around him to control that situation and keep him in one spot. Yeah, but maybe a triangle rather than a you know semicircle with with people going off to the right. Chloe, I also like so just because so my senior year I did it uh, my show for my degree like for me to graduate was about a school shooting. So I did a lot of researching about police like techniques during school shootings and things like that and human response as well. And 
uh, there was a scene in the show where one of the lines the teacher is heard to say, someone call 911, which in that type of situation, no one is going to call 911 because mentally, if I'm in, if I'm in a room with y'all, I'm thinking, oh, Chris is going to call. I don't need to call. And you think, oh, Jess is going to call, so I don't need to call. And so I just bring that up because that's also probably the human response that they're not wanting the officers to have by only having one or two people in charge of the shooting. Because if there's, let's say they go, hey, you and you are going to, you know, if he takes out a weapon, you're going to shoot. Then the other one's going to look at the other, at, they're going to look at each other and be like, okay, like, which one of us is going first? What are we doing? And so I feel like that might also be why they decided to have more than one officer. But on the same token, if you're one, if I was, if there was one officer there and he had his weapon out and there was a threat, he might fire three rounds, four rounds. He may even empty a magazine. But when you think there's nine officers standing around with full magazines, that just seems, you know, maybe the training is one. If if there's, if you're trained to, well, let's not think about it. Everybody shoot but only shoot once because you already got nine bullets at a time, you know, nine, nine bullets at a time. That's a very, it's a very tough subject. That's why we're talking about it yeah. because there's no good answer. But one of the big things that people are saying is why didn't you tase the guy? Like, why didn't they tase him first? I think that's obvious. I th- he's wearing, it's cold. He's wearing a jacket. He's wearing like a thicker shirt. Looks like it's that kind of like Carhartt, um, you know, work shirt. That's a thicker material meant to not get torn or anything. You know, you walk up to him and try to tase him. Number one, you're closing distance. You know, you're you're getting closer to the subject, and that's going to cause him to be closer to you. And that way he can run at you with a box cutter a lot easier. Uh, that's one option. The other option, like I said, is with the clothes. If they tase him or try to tase him and they don't work, you know, that could cause other problems. That could cause him to try to run or try to... Um, to run at the officer that tased him or, or pull whatever he's got out of his pocket. Sure. There, I think, honestly, by not tasing him, they're trying to defuse the situation with words before it gets bad. And, you know, the thing is with, with this whole situation is I think the officers, they tried their best to talk him down and to get him to calm down. You know, I think the reason the pedestrian video video was so extreme and people got so upset about it was because it does not show what the officers were actually doing. It just looks like they're all standing there. And then all of a sudden the dude moves and they all shoot him, right? There's no way to hear what the officers are saying. Yeah. But like you said in, in the police video that was released um, by the department, uh, you can hear, you know, for 30, 45 minutes, these officers are just pleading with him. Look, look, don't do this. We can figure this out. We're trying to help you. We don't want anybody to get hurt. We want to go home. We want you to go home, stuff like that. It didn't work. And so I think bottom line, based upon how this guy acted in the end, wh- whether or not he was mental, had mental problems, having a mental breakdown, the dude wanted to die. He wanted to go there and he wanted to die because of how he acted, which led to the end of his life. He pulled that metal object out because we don't know what it is pulled a metal object out that was shiny and aimed at the officers like he was going to fire a gun that was suicide by cop and there's not much cops can do about that because they can't take the chance of well this guy's just trying to commit suicide so we're not going to shoot him if he pulls something out what if he does pull out a gun i was taught in emt school that the most dangerous individuals are the suicidal individuals Sure. Because they don't they they have nothing to lose. They're if they're ready to end their own life, 
they don't feel any different about taking another one while they're doing it. Cause they've hit the lowest of the low and that's not knocking people that have depression or anything. That's just how it is. That's what we're taught in school medically. Um, and you know that too, I mean, you've been through the same programs that I have. So in, and, and on that other note, as far as what we've gone through program wise, cops are trained to have that visceral reaction of this is the motion that you shoot somebody for doing. They have whole programs, whole computer program simulations where you stand in front of a big TV screen or projected screen, and it's showing you a situation where you have to choose whether or not to shoot somebody. That is a huge part of police officer training. And this is a perfect example of when that training kicks in. Every single one of those officers went through that training, and it is a, it's a wire shorted in their brain. As soon as that thing happens, I'm pulling the trigger and shooting to the threat stops. And the reason they ingrained that into them is because they don't have a chance to think about it. They cannot sit there and process the situation. It's just like in EMT school. They train you how to respond to certain situations. For example, cardiac arrest, okay? You know, they train us. This is how you do CPR. This is what you go and do if you find someone on the ground laying down, what exactly you check. You can't sit there and ponder, hmm, well, it looks like they fell this direction, and it looks like they had this in their hand. What kind of medication were they taking? Hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that to make sure that it is cardiac-related. You don't have time. You put your knees on the ground, check their pulse, check their breathing. If they're not, and if they're not, you do CPR right then and there, less than, less than a few seconds. This is also life-concerning, and so it has to be instantaneous. The response has to be immediate. And there can be no time to think about it, sit there and wonder. Now, it would have been different, Chris. I think this is where it starts to depart. If maybe Nashville Police Department, if maybe they had non-lethal um, means. I was uh, just about to ask yeah. about non-lethal rounds, beanbag rounds. I don't or... think that they carry them. I've never seen them with them. And I don't think that that is a a thing that Nashville It's employs. not standard issue. No, Be- I think that's like SWAT team level. Yeah. Right. But it, but there are departments around the nation that have uh, officers that have those tools with them and they can dispatch them. LAPD is a good example. They yeah. carry around 12-gauge shotguns with being backgrounds pro- that are green. Exactly. Because they have, I probably deal with a lot of similar situations like this. So that would have been a great way to defuse the situation. But because the police don't have funding to secure those things, they don't have access access to those things. And I also heard from a source on talk radio that the National Police Department, their tasers are antiquated. They're not the, they're not new tasers. They're quite old. And they've been endeavoring to keep them alive and working. So really in a dangerous situation like this, they I don't think an officer would trust deploying an old antiquated taser to try to dispatch a subject that has non-optimal clothing in a non-optimal environment for a taser. So really, I don't see how else this could have ended if the guy did not, you know, back down, surrender, drop the knife, all of that. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think though what, what the world needs to do right now though is figure out how, how it can end without having to, to do that. Now there, there are many instances where I can think of that, you know, certainly gunfire is, um, is the way to end it, but we have to, we have to at least think and, and, you know, put, put ideas out there to figure out a way to end it. And is that redesigning tasers? Is that making affordable non-lethal weapons that, that departments can, can have? I think or funding the department. I was about to say instead of defunding the police, how about funding those weapons? More. Sure. Yeah, but, but I think I think it's time that 
and I think people are waking up to start looking at that. And and Metro has a what is it Citizens Review Board um, mm-hmm. that's made up of of public and whatnot. And, and maybe that maybe that's what'll come out of it. But when you look back at you know a lot of the a lot of these these issues, that's always been a, a thing. Well, how can you end it non lethally? And you know what's crazy about this, Chris, is you know normally Tennessee is quite a you know conservative state. Um, but this is, I, I, like I said, I listen to talk radio almost every day. This, when this happened, they let people call in and say, Hey, do you think they did, they did the right thing or the wrong thing? And there was a surprisingly equal amount of people that said they did the wrong thing versus saying they did the right thing. And a lot of those people, you know, personally, I think they have unrealistic expectations for what could have, could have been deployed. One guy called in and said, well, you know, they've got flashbangs, they've got gas they could have used. They've got all this other stuff. Well, yeah, but you can't, that requires a lot of setup that requires specialty personnel that may not have, they may not even have this stuff. So it all, everything that is determined is determined from the dynamics of the situation. And I would call this a very dynamic situation. And there's a threat actively to not just the officers, but to the public. You know, like I said, you got cars over here full of people, you got cars on the other side of the interstate full of people and they cannot afford this guy to fire a shot off a rogue shot and it go and kill somebody, a kid or something like that in a car. So there's the goal with this obviously was to get him home alive, but you got to remember people personally, and this is me talking. I'm not cons- if someone is suicidal and they are in that situation and they're having a mental breakdown, I feel sorry for them, but I'm not going to let them take another life just because they're, struggling with their life. I don't think that's fair. And if they have to die to prevent an innocent death, I think that's totally justified. That that's just my opinion. If if he would have shot somebody else first and it wasn't a police officer, it was somebody in the public, I feel like people would be complaining that they didn't shoot him stu- soon enough to stop him. I was actually about to say that if they would have not shot when they did and if he had and a firearm yeah. and he shot that gun and killed someone else, then people would be going, well, why didn't the police shoot him? Not to depart from the subject, Chris, but I don't know if you've heard, there's been two um, incidents of a an individual shooting into moving cars on I-65 or I-24. Is it I-24? It's I-24. There's 24 and yeah. 65, but it's, I-24. it's been on 24. Have you heard of that, Chris? No, I haven't. So they had a family in a in a car, and the mother was shot in the stomach, and it shot her ten year old in the hand. Just somebody randomly shooting at cars. Oh, yes. on I twenty four. That actually happened probably five or six years ago in Kansas City on four thirty five. That's like our most popular highway, like our busiest. And there was a guy. He would turn out to be like a serial killer. That literally, like random days, he would just go pull off on the side of the road and get out a semi-automatic weapon and just start shooting at cars and he killed like a ton of people because the police couldn't find him because there's no cameras down there that's different than the there was like a dc beltway dc sniper yeah that's it that was different i think yeah because this guy literally like he would just choose random days of the week for like a month and he just go on the side of the highway and park and then sit behind his car and just start shooting at people and he killed a bunch of people doing it wow and this guy he's he shot one car the first time he did it and there's witnesses to say this car like swerved off the road and crashed, but the dude was not severely injured. But this one, he actually shot a mother and her child. And that's terrifying to me because there's nothing. Things that scare me are things that I cannot 
like control, right? I can't, I cannot actively defend. The fear of the unknown. Yeah. I can't defend against these things. And this is one of those things where I'm like, it's the other thing that I fear on the interstate is someone on a bridge dropping a rock into my And that's car. happened actually yeah. very close to my house. There's a bridge, um, an overpass that somebody threw a, a brick coal block off of and like went into somebody's windshield. Well, I've seen a video of a, or in a documentary exclusively about stuff like that. And it literally craniumed a poor woman with her, with her husband driving and her kids in the back. And it like literally splattered her brains everywhere. She survived. Uh, thankfully part of her, obviously she has severe, you know, mental, uh, decline right now. Um, but it ruined her life. To completely turn her life on a different angle, and, and it messed up every, it messed up her family's life, and it was just some freaking kids throwing bricks off of a freaking interstate for no reason. Um, that woman, so her husband actually committed suicide afterwards because yeah. it was so difficult. She basically became a vegetable almost, like she wasn't able to take care of herself. A vegetative state, yeah. And but she could like sit in a chair. But she couldn't like do anything for herself, and it just took so much of a burden that he lost her. He, he they interviewed him before, yep, I and he said that. something to the effect of like, "They took my wife from me. Like this is not my wife." And then he ended up taking his own life because it was just too and much that, for him. That makes me so mad. Like, I, I just want to find those kids. They need to be thrown in jail and executed. Like I'm, th- I'm dead serious about it because you ruin somebody's life. You've literally murdered somebody indirectly, and you could have murdered this woman. I don't think there should be any, any mercy for somebody who does something like that. But the prop, the reason it scares me so much is because I have, how, how the heck do you defend against that? Build a freaking steel cage around your car, and now we got a shooter on I-24, and there's no way you can defend from that unless you start driving around in a freaking... Bulletproof you know, truck. Bulldozer, you know, a killdozer. You remember that dude that, like, drove a bulldozer around a city? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That just is terrifying to me. And it's it's sad that that's, I feel like this whole world is starting to unravel, man. You and, know? And dude, I'm telling you, and COVID has a lot to do with it. Um, I think people are just becoming ugly and crazy to each other and, and people don't have jobs and they're desperate. Um, you know, I've got one more thing. I want to actually tell a happy story um, oh, wow. on this podcast. There was a family vacationing in New Zealand in the forest and they whipped out their GoPro to uh, film some birds and one of the one of these birds, uh, a kia, which is a native species to New Zealand, flew down and grabbed the GoPro out of this family's one of the family's hands. No way! And and took off with it. And so like everybody's and, and we're talking like it went a very long way. And luckily, it, it apparently flew in a very straight pattern. So they eventually um, they followed it and you know I guess ran through the forest. I don't know how far, but they said it was a long way. And saw the bird sitting in a tree, and it it had I guess dropped the GoPro. They just happened to look around and find it laying on the rocks. Holy cow! So they've got GoPro video of their family, and then all of a sudden, like it's attached to a, a bird flying th- over this forest. Is apparently it looks really that cool. is insane. Yeah. I'd like to see that. That's yeah. interesting. It's on. It was on CNN. If you want to go look it up, but it's um it, he actually he grabbed it backwards. So you get to look, you know, like behind the bird. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a cool story. I mean, first, I don't know. It, it takes me a few minutes to get over the fact that a, a bird... Just stole my GoPro. Just took... Yeah, took the GoPro. Those things are really big. Like, they're like Australian, like, um, magpies. They're huge yeah, they're birds. Huge. The, the still of this video looks like it's the underbelly of a 737. I mean, it's a big <laughs> bird. So, yeah, uh, they're, they're big birds. But, um, yeah, what a cool story. That is really neat. Yeah. That's Did really y'all neat. hear about the story on... What 
was it? Ohio Turnpike snowplow damages at least 40 vehicles and injures 12 after all the snowstorms. What? Jeez. Y'all How does see. it do that? I'm going to play the video while I explain it so that y'all can see it. What is happening is a snowplow coming in opposing traffic is blowing. Looks like on an interstate. It's on an interstate, and it is blowing all of the <laughs> snow into, into opposing traffic. traffic. <laughs> so it wrecks out 40 vehicles, injures 12 people. I mean, it was crazy. That's, that's not a, like, it's not soft snow. No. That's packed ice. That's freaking, you know, parts from cars, rocks. And you have to think the speed of the snowplow, the speed of the oncoming traffic. Yeah. So, they're now, those things are traveling at, at least a combined, maybe even 120 miles per hour at the impact point. But you got to think, like, it was, it shattered windshields, yeah. dented hoods. Like, one had the entire fender ripped off because it was, like, closest That's to the That's a class impact. action lawsuit to the city right the, there. The uh, snowplow driver, he's on administrative leave. <laughs> so, administrative leave. Wow. Well, I'm not really sure what the laws regarding snowplows are, like. Well, yeah, you got to have your a freaking plow turned in the right direction. Like, True. can you not rotate the plow the other no, way they and can. throw snow the other way? They articulate. So. Oh, my gosh. See, wow. I've always just seen, like, interstate snow plows where it's, like, multiple snow plows, like... Block off the whole interstate yeah, and Yeah, and they go. just all plow it at once, and, like, one plow pushes it to the other, and they just yeah. do the whole thing at once. Yep. I find it pretty cool to watch because, like, it's satisfying. Effort. No, we're just going to blow it into the other yep. freaking interstate. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. My lane's clear. We don't care about those people. What? He probably <laughs> is thinking like, oh, it's just like water. Oh, this is funny. It's just hard water. Oh, man. Well, so what, do you have anything? Not really. I mean, the thing, I, well, I do want to talk a little bit of po- uh, political stuff. So um, you guys obviously, or, well, maybe not. Maybe you don't know. Let me pull this up, actually, because I'm acting like you guys might know this. Maybe. Um, and to end out the discussion, we are going to have an officer um, who is a little bit more knowledgeable about this type of thing come on the show, um, hopefully next week or the week after when, when he's back and, and finished with this thing. So we can ask, you know, what, what, what would they do? So we're definitely not going to leave that hanging. We'll get a little bit more from it. So this is a uh, – there's a senator named Ben Ray Lujan – of New Mexico. And he had a stroke, I believe a couple days ago. And he he went to the hospital, had surgery, and he is now going to be recovering for 4 to 6 weeks. This is a United States senator. He's a Democrat from New Mexico. Um obviously we hope he gets better. We hope he uh, glad that they caught the stroke and that they were able to do surgery. We hope he's able to get out and um uh, have his function uh, to the the, be- the best of what he can do. So obviously we hope we hope he recovers and and does well and recovers with all of his function back because that's you know kind of scary when you have a stroke and you might lose uh, some of your function. But um, the interesting thing about this is is that the Democrats in the Senate are now down one representative, and if you if you understand the dynamics of the Senate right now, the Democrats have. 50 um, senators and the Republicans have 50 senators. So it's a Democrat majority because the vice president comes and breaks the tie when there's a tie. So Kamala Harris is able to make them have 51 votes. So you have 101 votes on a matter if everyone votes. So the issue is, is now that they have 49 active senators because he is out for medical reasons, they no longer have 50 votes or 51 votes in the Senate. 
So we could just have a straight deadlock for anything that comes forward, including the Supreme Court nomination that Joe Biden has not announced the candidate for yet. Oh, yeah. So, and four to six weeks is just an estimate. I don't know if maybe it depends on how well he recovers, but it could end up lasting till the midterm election. If he, I think if he leaves, I don't know if anyone can sub him. I'm not sure if anybody could sub him until they actually have another election since it's so close. I may be wrong about that. Maybe there's some sort of way, uh, you know, one of the state House members can or state Senate members can come in and, and take his place if he is not able to continue to do his job. But interesting dynamic in the Senate right now because now they actually have to work together instead of just letting one side rail through everything they can. Um but I thought that was interesting because of Joe Biden's Supreme Court nomination. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you heard about this, but um, Joe Biden has said that he will nominate a black woman. Um, oh, wow. That is his his um, goal. And a lot of people have a problem with that because he is literally saying 94% of the population need not apply, you know, because he's saying, well, if you're, if you're, if you're a white judge, if you're a male judge, um, especially if you're a white male judge, you're not going to get a Supreme Court so justice is he, nomination. Is he just trying to ensure diversity? Well, the question is, is he going to sacrifice a good candidate to get a di- uh, to ensure diversity? Because I'm of the opinion that your race does not really change, you know, your abilities or you know, or who you or what you what you're able to perform. No, but I I think there's there's it's not race. I think it's culture. I think it's an understanding of culture that 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 might be bringing. But what does that matter in a Supreme Court position where your job is to is to is to rule on the merits of a issue based upon the Constitution and that only? Well, because there there are other considerations that come in, not just uh, directly, um, you know. Every, the, the entire things that they rule on aren't necessarily written directly in the Constitution. They they take that as a basis to make decisions, but they bring opinions in there. Um, but but they're culturally different opinions. Um, and and I and I, I had a friend explain this to me a long time ago. In certain tribes, like in Hawaii, like years ago, there were tribes of people that um, ate human flesh. Like they sacrificed people. There were cannibals, and they ate human flesh. Um, if they were here. That would be bad, but in their culture, that's how they operated. So there's, you know, that what they're doing is illegal in our eyes because we set that standard, we set that that rule. But they have been, you know, eating their tribesmen for years. So are they right or are they wrong? You ask them, they're right. You ask us, they're wrong. So there's there's cultural differences that um, I think a, a you know a judge who understands certain cultures can apply their interpretation of, you know, events differently. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, they're, that, that they're probably just going to, anybody that applies that's, you know, black and a woman will get it. I mean, I'm no, sure there's thoughts I that to it, but... That's, yeah, and I, I don't think that's the case. Obviously, it's not just going to pick up a random black woman off the street. Yeah, but, but I think there's cultural nuances that, you know, need to be represented. I still think, because here's the thing, no other company could do this. Like if 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 a if a company in the United States said we want a position, but we are only looking for a black woman for this position, everyone else need not apply. I mean, that company would get sued 
they would probably get, if, if the government did its job, probably get sued by the government because that's racism. You can't say, well, if you want this job, you have to be a certain race and you have to be a certain gender. That's why I have a problem with it because the government is, you know, obviously built up of elected officials and it's meant to, it's meant to treat everyone fairly and abide by its own standards it puts in place, which is we don't like racism. We don't like saying, well, you know, this is race is a qualification, you know, and this is this, like I said, this is just be like, you know, saying, well, I want a white male only for this position because I think it would be awkward if, if a black male had to work with us. And I think it wouldn't really fit our narrative if we had a woman. So we're only going to get white males um, for this position. But that would be on the flip horrible. side of that though, there are, it's called EEO equal employment, equal opportunity employment where you have Employ- to, yeah. in, uh, in some of the private sector, you have to statistically have a certain amount of minorities. And so I think that's wrong too. In that hiring decision, if you have, you know, all one, w- one type of person at some point you have to, you know, hire a minority. I have found that. And so I've helped found it. Dell Student Tech Crew, and here I haven't really been working with as much lately, just because they haven't asked me to. Here recently, had a teacher contact me asking why they couldn't enlist, enroll X amount of students. To find out, there is now a policy that they've added within the program that you cannot enroll. It's like X amount of white children per X amount of every other race. You and can't, I, you can't I think do that's it wrong. Anymore. Because now they're denying other students. I don't care if they're white or black. They're denying other students the opportunity to be a part of that program simply because, well, we don't want to look like we're only having white. What if only white kids are interested for some reason? Like you live in the middle of Watertown where there's not a lot of black kids at your school. Sure. You know, I mean, that's no, just how it is. That's no, just that's demographics. Exactly, that's how Watertown is. But that, it's, a, it's changing, but like Watertown... But when you're dealing with a national there. company, though, there's there's eyeballs looking at it. There's opinions, and, and that's I, what they're trying to avoid. And well, here's the thing: I think it's I think it is wrong. I think affirmative action. I think that's wrong. I don't think that colleges should have to make to should have to say, "All right, look, we we I'm can still in we high can school. have." I, I'm, I'm <laughs> moving into something. Yeah. We we can we have this much scholarship money, and we have to allocate so much money to minorities, whatever you want to say, and or, or women or anything like that. I think it's wrong. I think the people who get in should be the best performing and the best candidates because that's what we're supposed to – we're not supposed to look at race. The whole, the whole thing about racism is you're saying, well, you know, this person has these qualities, but because they're, they're black, because they're Asian, I'm going to treat them different. I'm going to treat them different because of their race. I think but, that's wrong. So then, why do applications for job have you know what what's your what's your what's your race, what's your height, what's your you know why is that an, a job application? If it if it's maybe it shouldn't be. I don't think it matters. But let's flip it. Imagine let's say and let's say Chicago. There's a school in Chicago that has a smaller population of white students, and they're trying to apply for the same program. I feel like that's once again just making an issue more of an issue that shouldn't be an issue because it's just the demographic of that area. And that, that's what I was saying about Watertown is it's like you, you know, can't help the demographic of an area. No. You can't help. And well, you also you also can't help 
who wants to be there? And it, but like, it, I'm you know, sure it's that, just like the whole. The, there's women. There's this. There was this big movement for a while where we wanted to have more women in, in, uh, uh, in sci, which is like electronics, um, sci, uh, medical science, oh, those kinds of careers, right? We want to have more women in in, in um, sciences and stuff like that. Field. STEM. That's what I was looking for. Sorry, STEM. science, technology, yeah, engineering, yeah, yeah. math. So. Uh, the problem was is they didn't have a lot of women that wanted to be in the program. So they they're doing the same thing again. They're limiting the amount of positions well, hold for on. for hold men. On. Hold on. Now let me let me specifically ask a question about that. During during some point in our not so recent history, women were oppressed and women were not allowed a lot of rights and women were looked down in the job market. So if if a woman was interested in science, and then looked at that field and said, well, it's, you know, 100% old white men, that was probably discouraging. So I think there's possibility that somebody said, you know, we need to uh, require hiring women so that women can see women doing this thing. So they're empowered to, wow, now it's not just for old white men. Maybe I can take this position. Perhaps that's the thought process of women were always kept from doing that. So if a woman looked at a STEM career and said, oh, you know, it's, it's all white men, there's no sense of, of doing that. So, it, let me so in. the ends justify the means in that case. So it is, you know, it, it, what that sounds like to me is we're going to be discriminatory to make up for past discrimina- discrimination. We're and then eventually trying. we're, eventually we're going to make it to a point where, well, you know, everybody has had this position. Because here's the problem. Women and men are built differently. Not Most women may not want to be in this in a certain field and most men may not want to be in a certain field right we i i guarantee you that i'd say there's probably a 90% um employment rate of men in um garbage uh pickup people right sanitary workers okay well i think that's wrong so what we need to do is we need to fire uh, at least 40% of those men and say this, these positions are only open to women so that we know that young girls understand they can be gar- garbage pickup people too. So they have a woman picking up their garbage. That's kind of a silly example. But you can t- change that to other careers. Like, like I said, uh, engineering, right? There's, there's, that's a male-dominated field. Nursing, that's a female-dominated field. So we're going to prevent the females who want to be nurses in that field so that we have an equal men and women field or back again to the engineering, we're going to defeat the uh, drive of some men that want to be engineers or want to make it into these divisions, make it harder for them to get there so that we can have more women. We're giving women, those women in that area, an, an unfair advantage against the men to get those positions. And honestly, I think that results in having a less qualified group of people in those positions because it's easier for them to get into it. Affirmative action. This is why I think that affirmative action is just I don't I don't agree with it at all. I think it's wrong. I get it. I get what you're trying to say about you know, we have this past discrimination we have to make up for, this past sin that has to be rectified because you know, maybe there could be more um African Americans that work in a certain field if they weren't slaves at one point. Yeah, that's that that is a valid speculation. However, is that not the point of affirmative action? The whole idea is that, well, we we enslave these people, so we're going to give them a better chance, a, 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 a greater chance to do these other things because maybe they could have already been doing these things were they not slaves. 
I don't know the ins and outs of affirmative action, so I, I can't answer to well, that. It's not the ins and outs of affirmative action. It is literally the idea. So you know, we could we could we could beat this dead horse already. We don't understand the the ins and outs of, of affirmative action. I see where you're going there, um, but you know what? Speaking of women in technology, hi Chloe. Oh hi. Yes. How are you? Good. So, um. Well, I have a funny story to share this podcast. We need it. Uh, <laughs> so um, tonight, well, it was actually, it started the other day. I went and ate some Mexican food the other day. And I've been drinking Diet Dr. Pepper because I still need my little caffeine, you know, hit every week, hit or whatever. Um, but at this restaurant I went to, it only had, they only had regular Dr. Pepper. And so I decided to drink that. And later that night, I got super, super sick and, like, felt like I was burping and it was terrible. And Jess, like, physically put his hand on my stomach and he's like, whoa, like, you are bloated. Which means it's bad when, like, another person can physically touch you and feel that you're bloated. Yeah, but you never push on somebody's stomach when they're bloated. No. He just put his hand on my stomach. He was not pushing. He was actually rubbing it to make me feel better. Probably because I looked like a Buddha at the time. Um, But anyway, so today... (laughs) I had a Dr. Pepper at dinner because they didn't have Diet Dr. Pepper. So I was just like, I'll just have Dr. Pepper, not really thinking about it. And um, 45 minutes later, when we got home, I looked at myself and was like, holy crap, I look like I'm legit pregnant. And I took these photos. That was me 45 minutes after drinking a Dr. Pepper. That's and Dr. Eating, Pepper? Yes, and, and eating grilled chicken and rice and some French fries. Legit, here's another one. What did the rice expand? No, it's just the Dr. Pepper, apparently. That's so wild. So, uh, yeah. And then I sent it to my mother-in-law and my mom. Oh, did you tell them you were pregnant? No, but I was just like, look, this is what I'm going to look like when I'm pregnant because you're having a Dr. Pepper grandchild. Congratulations. So, oh, my gosh. It was great. It was just, it was funny because I looked at myself and I was like, wow, look at that. So also I told my mom, I was like, I saw you a month ago. How would I look like this if I was pregnant? Cause at first she was like, are you trying to tell me something? And I was like, no, absolutely not. I drank a Dr. Pepper. So Grief. that was a fun story. So, um, th- this next topic for pop culture today, I don't want to get super political with it just because of what we've talked about already today, but I feel like it needs to be brought up. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, she got like laid off for two weeks from the yes. view, right? For her. So she basically, they were talking about how, um, they were talking about on the view, uh, how there were books that were being banned from certain libraries. So like To Kill a Mockingbird was an example. And there was a book that was being banned um, that was, I believe it was like a cartoon type book like it had writing and cartoon in it but it was basically two mice that were supposed to represent people in the holocaust i believe and the only reason they banned them was because it talked about uh nudity like that was the only reason that they banned the books not because it was about the holocaust and she made a comment uh that she pretty much stated that the holocaust was not about race and that it was about people's inhumanity towards other people because Jewish people aren't a race. And she went on like a whole long, like three minute monologue about it. Wow. And so, uh, and she was like, I love Jewish people and they I have so many Jewish people friends and all this stuff. Um, but yeah. And then she came back and was like, uh, 
you know, you look at what Hitler said back then and he said that he called them the inferior race. Sure. So, and from my clarification, when I talked to Jess about it, he's like, Jewish people are considered a race because they marry into other Jewish people. Well, but when you look at the FBI's definition of race, um, Jewish is not on there. It's um, Pacific Islander, white, um, Hispanic. No, no, I'm sorry. It's white, Hispanic, white, non-Hispanic, white, black, or African-American, and Pacific Islander and something else. Like in the in the whole like, you know, world of the FBI classification for reporting and stuff. Right. They don't have that listed as a race. But I, I get where you're going. I've heard that before. So she was suspended for two weeks off of The View for her comments. Um, she still stood behind the fact that she said she thought it was like people's inhumanity towards other people and that it was white people versus white people. That's what she pretty much wow. insinuated. Um, my rule is like when you're talking about stuff, like don't talk about the Holocaust probably. Unless you're, you unless know, it's like educational. educational. Yeah. But when it's something of an opinion like that and you are not a part of that culture, that's probably something not to talk about. So that was pretty big news this week. Uh, controversial wise, uh, Tom Brady decided to retire this week. I heard about that. I think it's fake. What? Yes, I think it's fake. I'm not ever going to fake my retirement. When I retire, I'm retired. (laughs) Chris will be going out with like middle fingers in the air type style. Tom Brady is the most cocky human being I've ever seen in my life. Reach. And he won the Super Bowl last year, did not make it to the NFC Championship this year. Okay, so he's a football player. Yeah. You don't don't know who Tom Brady is. I'm not a football guy. I'm a hockey guy. But anyway, but still is Tom Brady. So he didn't make it to the championship this year. Like they got knocked out in the playoffs and not a chance. Grant, back me up on this. Not a chance Tom Brady would retire off off of a loss. It's Tom Brady. He has seven Super Bowl rings. Why would you not go for eight? Exactly. He has seven. And he's young. He's been on like the he's ro- not that old comparative to like Roethlisberger and His some other people. His seven rings have been back to back. Like. Yeah, so, he's not back to back anymore. Just like, he's he's probably like, yeah. Well, I guess we're stopping at seven, but I quit while I'm ahead. I guess so. So, um, in other football news, the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, Jess, Lord, please! It better not be as bad as last year. It's about to be the most lit halftime show I think we've ever witnessed since Michael Jackson, and we didn't, we weren't even alive to witness that one. Um, the performers for the Super Bowl halftime show this year are Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Slim Shady, and Kendrick Lamar. Mary G. Blige will also be there, and there's going to be a couple other guest stars coming on to uh, perform. It sounds like it's going to be fun. means if Dr. Dre and Slim Shady are there, I hope Eminem does his old stuff. I hope. Said Slim Shady, so I know that means he's going they to do his old stuff. They made a distinction of Eminem and Slim Shady, yeah. So it's really exciting for me. I'm a big fan of of the old '90s, you know, rap and Slim Shady, Dr. Dre era, era, and um, I'm really excited for that halftime show because I think it's going to be the best, the best mashup that we've had of people. And like I said, it might be the best halftime show since Michael Jackson because he was like the first one to do a big show. 
that was really, really good and really, really entertaining. Interesting. Well, that sounds interesting. I'm looking forward to that. So into our last little part of pop culture, which you guys sound so excited about right now, um, there is a trailer that I'm going to show you a part of, of this movie, this new animated movie that's coming out called Pinocchio, A True Story. A True Story. Is what it's called. A true story. Yes. Of Pinocchio. Because the original yes. Pinocchio wasn't so true. So this is Liongate, by the way, the, the studio. Liongate? Wow. They, and I want to make sure people understand, there are actually two Pinocchio films coming out this year. So there's this one, and then uh, Del Toro, the guy that does... Um, Guillermo. Guillermo Del Toro. Yeah. He is doing a really cool stop motion Pinocchio. So like it looks really really cool. What? So I'm two very independent, excited. Independent people sat around and be like, I'm gonna make a Netflix for. They're doing both of them. No, Netflix is doing Del, to- Del Toro's. But how and does then, two random people on this planet decide to do a Netflix or a Pinocchio film um, at the same time? I believe Pinocchio has fallen into public domain. Ah. So I think that it's because those stories are now free to use. Wow. Um, but the cool part about Del Toro's is it looks like, you know, the animation from James and the Giant Peach, like that stop motion kind of look. Yeah. That's what he's going for. So like the trailer oh. is Jiminy Cricket talking about Pinocchio and it looks really cool. Interesting. But I'm going to show you a little bit of this trailer and we'll post the, the trailer on our page. Um, but I just want to get your initial thoughts off of the voice of Pinocchio. When you hear him talk. Oh, great. And then we'll talk about the story. So I know exactly what this is. Um, Lionsgate Studios is a Christian animation studio. And they have been responsible for many atrocious animations and horrible stories over a long period of time. And I'm not just saying that to, to, to knock them. I get it. I understand what they're trying to do. And I appreciate what they're trying to do. Um... Uh, but has anybody seen the, um, uh, what is it called? The club? Oh, what is it? It's a, uh, let me look this up. Continue conversation. Let me look this thing up. So I'm going to. People have been commenting on the voice of Pinocchio and how he's like, but father, yes. how will I ever? It's not <laughs> very different. highly funny. Fun fact. The guy that plays like the the builder guy that's his father or whatever, guy that plays SpongeBob. Huh. That's the first thing. They're responsible for this creation. Oh, that's good. The Globgogagalab. Oh, I remember you know what that. that is. I, remember I don't that. remember what it's from, but I remember that. But anyway, the Globgogabulab. This is from a freaking a Christian film about I don't even know. It's a haunted house or something. And there's a bunch of talking animals. And then this like ball of flesh squeezes out of a book and he sings a song about his name. And that has become a meme. But father, how will I ever get out of here? As soon as I saw the animation style, I knew that's what it was. The animation style bugs me too, because it's that cheap animation style. It's very, and it's it's very, very, yeah, it's in the, the uh what is it called the uncanny valley that kind of animation and that's that's exactly what that is it's not quite human but it's just human enough to make you feel really uncomfortable and then i believe that it's Polly shore is who i heard voices pinocchio and i don't know if you know who that is yeah but yeah i think that's who they said it was it's whoever 
Uh, did either of you see the Goofy movie? No. Like the... Like where he goes back to college with Max? Yes. Okay, so you know the guy that has the pizza? Yes. That's him. Oh, and this is like I his first animated film since then. It's like the early 2000s or You're 90s. You just reminded me of my childhood, and I don't know if I appreciate so, that. Uh, I'm very, uh, I'm not going to see this Pinocchio true story. I just want to know why they call it a true story because Pinocchio is not a true story. He's, he's that's exactly what I was made thinking. of wood. The real story of our made up story. So yes. I don't even care the, the name. <laughs> that's not the most surprising part of this to me. It is, how is this mainstream? Because the voice, did you hear how he talked? I did. In the beginning? So you're, they're telling People me that this, is, this is getting really popular because of how bad it is. Somehow. I also believe, and I may be incorrect on this. I also believe that they think that he sounds stereotypically um, gay. Is what I've been, I, what I've seen. I caught that as well. And yeah. the the thing that they point out is that, and we stop the trailer before it gets to this point is that the girl that he saves on the carriage, like his whole goal of the movie is to save her. And so they didn't understand the choice of the voice with him wanting to save a girl. Okay, so Lion House is not... Lion Gate. Li- Lion Gate, sorry. That's not the people that did the Glob Gob, Gab Galab, whatever. They're also thing. not Christian. No, they're specific. actually a big studio. <laughs> they did the Hunger Games. I don't Games. know why... Lion, yeah, Lionsgate is. I mean, that's why you said yeah. that, I and I got so kind of confused. No, but I, I, I was, was like, I don't know where I got that because I keep trying to look up who did that thing, and I cannot find a name of a studio anywhere. But you're I right; probably they are a big studio. But that just makes it even worse, in my opinion. The animation style is horrible. Like the, the it's just bad, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, and that may be just a preliminary thing, but what? But father, why am I animated so badly? Yeah, it's it. I don't know. That was weird, and that's why I associated it with that because that's how those—that's how their crap is. Yep. And it's like whatever this Christian studio that does like the church, like Christian-related animations or whatever, and like ties it all back to to Christian things. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm critiquing your animation and your and your performance in that. That's what this thing. When I watched this trailer took me back to a low budget you know to slash no budget animation shop probably run out of a church well it's a true story of pinocchio the wooden boy <laughs> i mean that looks so because that makes so much sense that's got to be a joke so no it's real is this their first animated thing lionsgate i don't think so no no you're kidding. Lionsgate has been around since I was little, which so, that doesn't attest to much. Because so we're going to move on to the next little thing here. Criminal Minds, Paramount Plus maybe picking Criminal Minds back up. Uh, it said that the only person that they did not have back is the guy that plays Dr. Spencer Reed, who is by far the most popular character on that yeah. show other than Penelope. Um, and he is not sure whether he wants to come back. He's spent... The last couple of years trying to get away from Spencer Reed because that was pretty much the role that defined Didn't his career. Didn't they do like a TV series called like After Spencer Reed? I don't know. I haven't finished Criminal Minds yet, so that's why I don't. It's like a separate it. series about but his whole. I think because I think I know what you're talking about, and they go into like his house and talk to him about the character and yeah, stuff, yeah, and how it's like affected his life and all that. Yeah. So. Um, and then the last thing that I have is the show Goosebumps. You two remember that? I, say I think you, so. I remember that. Do you that. remember that? It was like kind of these like scary stories that this guy would write. It was a whole series. And then they went on to, I think they were on Cartoon Network. 
is where they made a bunch of them like real, like for TV. And it turns out that Disney Plus, it may have been Disney, but Disney Plus is going to revive the franchise of Goosebumps. So there's like hundreds of books of Goosebumps. Because I remember when I was a kid, like in our library at our little private school, everybody would want a Goosebumps book because it was scary or whatever. Interesting. But yeah, so they're going to revive it. And I just saw a post that Loki season two will start filming this summer in the United Kingdom. So I'm quite excited about that because that was a fantastic show. It was, I think. So that's I all I got. It. That's all I got for pop culture. Wow. Well, thank you for the pop culture. No problem. There. Everybody else is just busy on, on their phones. I got more details about that Pinocchio thing. So <laughs> you're still on. Apparently, you're beating a this, dead wooden nose. This movie. No, no, no. Listen, this explains part of it. This movie, the actual animation in the movie, was originally made in Russia by a Russian filmmaker. Ah. So the animation Mother was done Russia. by one guy. And so they're just releasing it in the U.S. with English voice actors. I'm guessing. That's and how kind of like they what chose? they did to Squid Games. I don't know. I don't know why. Father. I don't know why. <laughs> we decided to take this animated thing and put SpongeBob and this guy who can't speak in normal sentences to play Pinocchio. My question. Jess, has it said in there why it says it's a true story? No. That's it, the biggest mystery to me. Apparently Chris, do you agree? Apparently it's, it's different about like why it, it changes the story somehow, so I don't know. I think they're saying it's the true story of Pinocchio's story, which may not necessarily be true. Well, they say it's Pinocchio, a true story. It also <laughs> is a full-size boy, so like, you know, every time I've seen Pinocchio, he's been like really small. and. I'm yeah, that kind of thing. So maybe this is just different in the Russian version of the story from a different culture. So I, I think my maybe favorite... he was a, a big. He's the big boy, and you take his head off, and a smaller boy comes out, and, and you take his head yeah, off, like and a, a Russian smaller boy yeah. comes out. <laughs> my his... favorite, my favorite version of Pinocchio has to be from Shrek. I'm a real oh boy. Oh my lord! I remember that. I'm a real boy. Now. Is, the, is, Pino- the <laughs> is the word Pinocchio, is that from Russia? Is that a Russian word? I thought word? it was Polish. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. We'll have to look it up and talk about it next time. Yeah. Uh, or not. Or maybe or not. not. Now maybe that I'm looking in like... the context of, of the animation is from a single guy in Russia, it makes more sense. But still, I agree with the voice acting part. That's kind of weird. I don't know if they're trying to match the lips, you know, by using English I don't know. That's weird. We're beating weird. a uh, wooden boy dead with know. a wooden stick. The world they never know. If you know. say so. Jess, I'm glad you've joined us back on the show. Hope your job gets a little bit easier to navigate. Hopefully, as I get used to it, we'll be able to do this on a regular basis. I hope it continues. Yeah, you know, we leave a lot of time for our listeners to think about what we said. Right. That's what it is. That's it. Well, listen, we appreciate you listening to us. Thanks for uh, holding on for our absence. We will do better. Uh, you can uh, shoot us an email. I'm Chris at stillloveyebro.com. Jess at stillloveyebro.com with a Y-A. Chloe, C-H-L-O-E at stillloveyebro.com. And post on our Facebook. Uh, visit our website, stillloveyebro.com. Uh, we would appreciate feedback in any of the apps that you listen to us on. 
Um, if you have any questions or you want to be on the show or you have some topic ideas, please email those to us. We appreciate getting those. And uh, we certainly work your topics in. By the way, Pinocchio is Italian. Oh, my gosh. Pinocchio. <laughs> have a good one. Thanks for listening. Do the roar. Thanks, guys. Do the roar. Pinocchio is Italian. I would really? have never guessed that. It sounds very, oh. it sounds Polish to me. It is. <laughs> <laughs>